Here they come! Hello, and welcome to episode 180 of Effectively Speaking, the podcast that takes a look at some of the special effects sequences of film and television, be they classic, average, or duff. I'm your host, Eric Moore, and today I'm joined by Matt from Neozaz to look at two effects sequences from Monty Python, Brian's escape via spaceship from Life of Brian, and Mr. Creosote from The Meaning of Life. I know you're a big fan of Monty Python, but uh, what order did you encounter all their various incarnations or whatever you want to call it? Oh, okay. Good question. I, I, well, I know I started with the series. I, I can't tell you at what point. This is one of those uh, PBS finds for me. So PBS here, public broadcasting system was, is, consistency is not their thing when it comes to they're outside their normal programming. So when there would be Monty Python, it'd be on for a couple months and there was no telling what season they were going to play. So I, I know I started with the series eventually uh, probably maybe two series seasons worth of series before the Holy Grail, uh, Monty Python and the Holy Grail was definitely my first movie. Cause I remember that I'm talking about that was going to air on this date and I had never seen it before. I've, barely heard of it and that's that was uh something i couldn't miss and then some more shows uh i think at this point actually <laughs> since you brought up other incarnations i think at somewhere between money or the holy grail and the next movie i saw was the meaning of life somewhere between there my friend introduced me to their their lps ah. so that was between two movies now again i don't know what order or which ones but i do remember him sharing those with me so after the LPs was Meaning of Life, and I never saw Life of Brian until the home video market took off. That thing, it just never made it to PBS that I, that I caught. And it, th- these movies were, if they were in theaters, I mean, they were they were come and go, and, and I never got a chance to see them. So Life of Brian was probably the last thing that had already existed in Mighty Python in their in their anthology that's that's the very mm-hmm. last thing i saw but then proceeded to watch everything over again more times than i can count i think i think the, the the world is different now i think maybe the reason um you know you didn't see life of brian is you know back then you, you know america was still quite conservative and you know there, 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 there were upsets weren't there about life of brian with people calling it blasphemous and i think maybe some of the tv stations in the states they just didn't didn't want to touch it you know for fear of uh backlash or whatever yeah that's that would not surprise me at all to find out that that's the case yeah yeah my 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 order is and i discussed this when when we last spoke when uh i I appeared on your star wars in character uh uh spin-off show where we were talking about uh the french taunter from Monty mm. Python and the Holy Grail. Um, that's my first exposure 
the Holy Grail in the cinema. Then it what it wasn't the LPs; it was the cassettes. Okay. For some reason, <laughs> I, I I just have them on cassettes, and I just listen to them over and over and over again. And this is before I saw the TV show. Um, and then I think it was the TV show. The BBC started repeating them. Um, and then it was yeah, Life of Brian. Then Meaning of Life. Yes. Oh, do we okay. uh, do we consider Yellowbeard a Python film? <laughs> my wife does. I I do because my wife has been driving it into my head that it is, re- regardless of what I think. I, I have no say in the matter in this house anymore. So I guess I I have to agree with her. <laughs> she she whenever we talk about Monty Python movies, she always brings up Yellowbeard because that's if if it were to be truly one, if we were to consider one, that's her favorite. So she has has to bring that one up. I didn't mention, you know, when we um, when we did the French Taunter um, show, that um, just up the road um, from the cinema I worked in, um, in uh, the pub on the corner there, it's a real old pub, um, going almost to medieval times, um, uh, Graham Chapman used to be in there. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, because he lived just outside Maidstone, and oh, okay. uh, he, he, very often he would just be bladdered in a corner. <laughs> you know? So uh, yeah, yeah, too bladdered to even dare approach and say hello, oh. Mr. Chapman. I'm a <laughs> right. fan. You know, yeah. you wouldn't dare. You know, <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. All right. So today we're talking about two sequences. Um, we'll talk about. I thought we'll go chronological. Chronologically, so life of Brian then. We're talking about the alien scene in Life of Brian, which, I mean, it's practically the only special effects <laughs> sequence in Life of Brian, so it's the only one we can talk about. This, yeah, you're, you're right, it is. Yeah. All right, so let's talk about that scene. Um, it starts off with Brian, he's on the run from the Romans, and he's going up that spiral staircase, which... Doesn't seem to go anywhere, does it? Um, um, I don't know what that guy's doing at the top. He's hammering away and he drops yeah. <laughs> his hammer. Where is that? Where, where is that meant to be going? The steps or the the whole? Yeah, yeah the that's steps. a good question. I when I'm guessing that's part of the internal structure they're still building. I hadn't considered <laughs> that because. Now that it you goes point nowhere. it out, yeah, <laughs> yeah. When he when he falls off the top in that comedy fall, there's yeah. nothing else around. Um, yeah. so must still be maybe spilled. it was a bell tower or yeah, something. Yeah, I was gonna say they're pro- they must still be that tower is still in construction. That that must be what's happening, and they need the steps to reach the walls or something that are coming. Uh, that that's yeah. that's the wow. That's that's the first question I didn't expect to have of a many many questions of this scene. Yeah. <laughs> It is a very silly scene, is it? Isn't it? Um, yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah, Brian falls to his death, but he he doesn't die because he's caught by this spaceship that zooms in. And the the first time we ever see the spaceship, it's it's um it's a piece of Terry Gilliam yep. animation, isn't it? It's, yep. a, it's a photo cutout that moves just like one of his photo cutouts, and uh, yeah, complete with a big black line all the way around it. Um, so yeah, he gets caught. Uh, but then we go to a model shop. We actually get model work in this scene um, as the model of the spaceship goes up and into space. Um, we cut to inside into that very cramped cockpit 
And, uh, yeah, we have these aliens, these two guys, um, which is basically um, a giant eyeball in a hand which is attached to a body with rather voluptuous <laughs> lips. I, I I love the eye in the hand. I just, it's so, it's, it's, I don't know. I don't, maybe it's my imagination. It seems like one of those things where they're designing it and they wanted the eye stocks to move and they were having no success hiding the hand. So they decided to go the complete opposite and make it as obvious as a hand as it could be. I don't know. I don't know if that's true, but the just the look of it, I absolutely adore I adore also that the guy, the pilot, actually has a steering wheel. He's actually yes. got a steering wheel <laughs> right, there. Yeah. yeah. And, um, you know, as bizarre as they look, um, they actually do a double take of on Brian, right. don't they? Yep. Um, I don't know what they're going to do. Um, we never find out because that's when the warning klaxon goes off. And uh, in comes this baddie ship. This is cut very, very quickly, isn't oh, yeah. it? It's, it's oh, yeah. such yeah. a fast scene. Um and uh, yeah, in comes the baddie spaceship. Cue car roaring noises as um, you know as they tried to escape. This is all model work. We've got no photo cutouts for this. Um, they fly through an asteroid field. Have you ever thought when they reach that asteroid field, the music is very Star Warsy? Yeah, Have you notice. Yeah, it, 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 it's almost a riff on the Star Wars theme. Right. Yeah, which is. Like that, that, and it made perfect sense because that was like the quintessential soundtrack to sci-fi after 1977. I mean, yeah, that 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 didn't that that definitely harkened to the Star Wars soundtrack, and was really no surprise because a lot of people did either in a parody like this or just as a plain ripoff. Yeah, and as we'll find out shortly, the way they filmed the asteroid was exactly the same. The way they did in Empire Strikes Back, you've got polystyrene <laughs> boulders on bits of uh, uh, okay, bit, bit, bits of wire huh. being filmed. Yeah, so yeah, the spaceship slams into the asteroid, into the side of an asteroid, um, and then they get hit by a laser fire, um, and we have a photo cutout of it um, falling back into the Earth's atmosphere. And then we've got this nice shot of a Tunisian city, which you can see that's not just a photo. It's been augmented in some way by painting. Mm. Uh, as the cutout crashes, um, out steps Brian, um, witnessed by the guy who saw him taken yeah. off. And, uh, oh, you lucky bastard, um, as the Romans come in. <laughs> right. So the big question, these aliens then... Um, what are they doing on Earth? Where yeah, were they right, going? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's one of those things where you, it crosses your mind, but it's you're never going to get an answer. So you just got to let it let it be the scene that it is. And I, I, I just I love the fact that this scene even happened, and it's so inconsequential in the end. No, well, not necessarily. They saved Brian's life, I guess, but he ends up restarting where he left off so you take this scene yeah. out and the movie still keeps going exactly the way it was before it happened absolutely it doesn't move the plot nope. along in the slightest nope. does it nope and i no. and that's one of the kind of things i love about their their writing and their storytelling and their sense of humor just throw something in there that just is absolute chaos for what is it maybe two minutes it looks like it's a minute and a minute about two minutes sorry two minutes ish and then, yeah. but it, it, and then, just leave more questions than answers. But in the end, didn't even matter anyway. I, I love that about the work they do. 
Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I, I love how sometimes, you know, particularly in the TV show, uh, they would just stop a sketch, it would <laughs> yeah. just finish. It's yep. like, no, this is getting silly, let's move on. Yep. And they would just change to something else, yeah. you know? Yep. <laughs> All right, so that's that's the sequence. I've got an awful lot of information on it. Oh, great, cool. Yeah, and an awful lot of it comes from uh, our friend Roger Christian, mm. um, you know, who has appeared on Neo's As Before, on right. Effectively Speaking. I did an interview with him about his work on Alien. Um, oh, okay, yeah. Oh, he is, of course, the guy who, you know, um, well, what can you... You, you can't um, overestimate his impact because he was the guy who was hired on Star Wars to dress, you know, like the interior of the Millennium Falcon um, and dress the Mos Eisley Cantina and the streets of uh, Mos Eisley with a very small budget. He's the guy who went, well, hang on, here in the UK, we've got these scrapyards, aircraft scrapyards. Let's go there, rip out all the stuff and uh, and dress the Millennium Falcon interior with old aircraft parts. It was him who came up with that idea. Mm. Um, it was also he who came up with the idea of, because they had very little budget, we can't custom make blasters. Let's hire, let's rent some uh, Sterling machine guns, add bits to it, and that's our weaponry. You know, it was all down to him. He's the guy who decided, we haven't got any money to make a lightsaber. <laughs> um, look at this, you know, flash unit from a, from an old style camera, right. we can use that, you know. So Star Wars owes an awful lot to him. Yeah, and um, and they, and he he carried that through onto Alien. You know, he he um, he was responsible for dressing all the Nostromo sets right. in exactly the same way. So yeah, he his his influence on on science fiction it, it can't can't be overstated, and he he's really written a really good book called Cinema Alchemist, Designing Star Wars and Alien. And uh, it's a really good book, and I do recommend it. And there's quite a a lengthy section on working on Life of Brian. Oh, wow. Okay. Now, if you don't mind, this might get boring for you, but I'm going (laughs) to read quite a bit. Yeah, go for it. Okay. I'll stop every so often. All right. But here we go. Um... He starts by saying, Terry Gilliam called me as we had to film the sequence with Brian inside the spacecraft. I went and met him at Terry's Neil's Yard base and we decided to make it in his studio upstairs because filming there would keep the costs to a minimum. Now, Neil's Yard, you've been there. Oh, That's okay. where we went, you know, when you came over to London, uh-huh. where the Monty Python office is. Oh, were. okay. I got That's you. Yep. there. I remember yeah. that, yep. Yeah. So he says, we employed John Beard again and Peter Dunlop, my buyer, and sent them out to scavenge scrap. Terry got the puppets built with his people who made prosthetics for the pythons, designed in Terry Gilliam's style, with the hand holding their one eye. We also decided to do the special effects sequence ourselves. The spacecraft had to fly through space and a meteor field avoiding rocks and meteors and was chased by an enemy spaceship firing lasers at it. We had just enough room in the studio if we built the spacecraft on a gimbal at the back so it rocked to simulate turbulence, which left just enough room at the front of the studio to build a black velvet backdrop and the meteor field. So, as I say, that's the old school way of filming miniatures, isn't it? Right, yeah. Yeah. He then says, Terry Gilliam, John Beard and I built the spacecraft with our grip, Tony Andrews. It's always more fun to do it this way. It keeps you grounded and aware of what goes on at grassroots level. 
Terry did sketches of the design of the spaceship, a typical Gilliam retro design. It somewhat resembled a Messerschmitt bubble car that Gilliam was fascinated by and was later used as Jonathan Price's transport vehicle in Brazil. John drew up working drawings of this design for the craft for us so that the gimbal to rock the rocket back and forth could be worked out. All right. Uh, Move on. As I say, this is a very, very lengthy bit. Um, Mm. He does go into a lot of detail. Um, I'll move on to the feeling of the dressing was much more Brazil-like with wires and tubes everywhere. He's talking about the interior of the spaceship here. Okay. We hung the plastic tubes and bags used for drip feeds from the ceiling and placed any scrap we found that looked retro. Applying the same technique of panels with lights and having them wired up gives life to a set like this. We found some round valve-type wheels and used these for the steering wheels of the two aliens. Another Gilliam touch. We had to design the area under the spaceship so that the two operators could work the aliens with eyeballs held in their puppeteered hands and Graham Chapman as Brian could enter from below. These two alien pilots were Gilliam-inspired aliens who could talk and move. It was a bit different to Alien and Star Wars in scale and intentions, as anything a little over the top was okay here. It was not your conventional craft by any means. The puppeteers simply held the eye in their prosthetic-covered hands and acted out the scenes as their spacecraft veered left and right to avoid the meteors and laser fire. Their eyes were actually huge eyeballs, that I had made with the company who create fake eyes for the movies and glass eyes for medical purposes. The puppeteer's other hands worked the aliens' mouths, red lipstick toad-like orifices. Their fat bodies were created from the simple prosthetic latex available at the time and painted a grey colour. All right. Mm -hmm. And it says, for the attacking spaceship, we built another version painted black. Ken Houston, Terry's animation chief, added in laser fire later, matching them to the flashes we created on the spaceship set with a lightning striker rented from Lee Electronics. It was an absolute homage to Star Wars by Terry Gilliam. The entire sequence is like a scene from a space attack in the first movie. Even the attacking ship being black alluded to Darth Vader and the evil dark side. If you listen to the music, it's a definite homage to John Williams' Star Wars theme, re-recorded by Terry and his musician friends. All right? Okay. Okay. Then, I've got another quote, and this is from Bill Pearson. Okay? Bill Pearson is a model maker who um, was one of the model makers on Alien, building the Nostromo, and at the time was working with Martin Bauer at the the studio because they were working on Flash Gordon. Okay, gotcha. All right? And he says, this is from Bill, one day a guy came into the workshop and introduced himself as Roger Christian. He worked on the production of Alien as art director and was responsible for a lot of the set dressing, including the Nostromo corridors. Roger was on the scrounge. By this time, we had thousands of pounds worth of plastic kit dressing left over. I said to Roger, if you need some of it, help yourself. Roger was working on Life of Brian, so he went around and managed to fill quite a few boxes with suitable bits and pieces. This was primarily requested for dressing the spaceship in the scene where Brian is picked up by a spaceship. We like to help each other out in the industries. Okay. Mm-hmm. I think that's it. Okay. Sorry, I've got so many pieces of paper. Ah, um, right. Yeah, I've got one last thing, okay. um, and it's more information on what Roger was talking about. Um, apparently, a company called Peerless Optical uh, were roped in. They were responsible for the map paintings, miniatures, and optical marry-ups. And it says the bad guy's spaceship was made out of a car hubcap. 
right? <laughs> That's cool. While the cityscape at the end of the sequence is a collage of photo cutouts of various Tunisian buildings. All right. Uh, okay. Yeah. All right. So that's Life of Brian. So now we move on four years to the meaning of life. And maintenant, would monsieur care for an aperitif or would he prefer to order straight away? Uh, today we have four appetizers. Excuse me. <clears throat> Uh, moule marinière, pâté de foie gras, beluga caviar, eggs benedictine, tarte de poireau, that's liquor tarte, frog's legs amandine, or oeuf de caille Richard Shepherd. C'est-à-dire little quail's eggs and a bed of pureed mushroom. It's very delicate, very subtle. I love the lot. A wise choice, monsieur. And uh, now, how would you like it served? All uh, mixed up together in a bucket? Yeah, with the eggs on top. But of course, avec des oeufs frites. Yeah, don't skimp on the pâté. Oh, monsieur, I assure you, just because it is mixed up with all the other things, we would not dream of giving you less than the full amount. In fact, I will personally make sure you have a double helping. Maintenant, quelque chose à boire, something to drink, monsieur. Yeah, I'll have six bottles of Chateau Le Tour 45. And a double Jeroboam of champagne. Bon, and the usual brown ales? Yeah. No, wait a minute, I think I can only manage six crates today. I hope Monsieur was not overdoing it last night. Shut up! D'accord. Ah, the new bucket and the cleaning woman. I think it was, was it Dave in our recording uh, before that said that was, he said that was his favourite Monty Python film. I don't know if he did, but it's mine, so I... Oh, it I might have been you. It. Okay, I'm not sure, yeah, it may be his as well, but I know it's mine. Oh right. See see it's 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 strange because I'm not a big fan of really? Meaning of Life. Huh. Okay. Mm. I mean there's some very good bits, you know, Mr. Creosote, every sperm is sacred, but there's some some misfires, some sketches just don't work for me. I I think it's a very irregular film, you know, it goes up and down, up and down. I think I think Life of Brian and um and uh um uh, Holy Grail are more consistent because it, it's telling a, a, a linear story, isn't it? The, Whereas, you know, they are, it is basically meaning of life is, is a sketch film, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's definitely, it definitely is not like if someone asked me to tell them real quick, what's meaning of life about there's, there's no real quick explanation because of what you just said. It is, it's a sketch film. And maybe that's what I, why I like it because there's so many classic moments in that not that there isn't any other movies but it, i don't know there's something about that i will say my my favorite monty python anything is every sperm is sacred just the fact that that goes from the the humble house with the 10 trillion kids to the entire town <laughs> singing and dancing is is one of my all-time favorite uh, sketches that they've ever done I love that shot of Mon uh, Michael Palin coming home and he sees the stork and he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, another one. <laughs> Excellent. All right, so Mr. Creosote then. Yes. Um, um, straight after Eric Idle was uh, blatantly uh, Noel Coward singing his song about penises, yeah. in he waddles. Um, and what are we does? Um, I've never really noticed watching it today, but the music, again, the music in this is riffing on Jaws. Yes. Yes, it is. It absolutely it, it, is. It yeah. is, isn't it? Yeah. I love the fish in the fish tank going, oh, shit, it's Mr. Creosote and uh, and swimming away. And um, something uh, I hadn't thought of 
about either. He's met by the maitre d, John Cleese there, you know, uh, comes up to him. This isn't a descendant of the French taunter, is it? (laughs) It could be. I never thought of that. Yeah, I reckon it is. I reckon it is. I love that. (laughs) Um, How are we today? He goes, better, better, better get me a bucket. I'm going to throw up. (laughs) That's the start of this. And, um, of course, you have to cut uh, to him actually sat at the table because uh, Terry Jones, because of the structure that he had strapped to him, there's a little wheel underneath his belly. There's a little trolley. No that his belly is actually That's yeah, fantastic. It, Didn't which never is that. yeah, which is um, yeah, um, how they get him into the into the uh, into the restaurant right. and up to his tables. But then you've got to cut, so he's already sat down. Right. right. Um, did you ever used to read uh, Judge Dredd? No. No. Right, right. Unfortunately, you my want... only exposure to Judge Dredd was the Sylvester the Stallone, Stallone thing. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I'll tell you what. While I'm talking, if you're on your computer, can you just type Google image Judge Dredd fatties? Okay. All right. Um, because I'm pretty darn sure that the writers of Judge Dredd knew about Mr. Creosote and his uh, little trolley because in the Judge Dredd comics, you have these people (laughs) called fatties and they have a thing called a belly wheel. Yep. Can you see it? I see it. Yep. Yep. That is totally inspired by Mr. Creosote. It's got to be. Makes sense to me. Yeah. 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 So, yep. There he is, sat at the table. Gaston brings him in his bucket. And uh, off he goes. Now, this is just a simple effect, isn't it? Terry Jones has got a pipe taped to the side of his right cheek. The camera's, you know, filming the left side of his face. And it's just a case of he opens his mouth and somebody out of shot opens up the pump and fires it into the bucket. Right. Yeah. Um, So this happens a few times. I used to watch this scene in the cinema um, because... Yeah, it's gross. He's throwing up into the bucket. But when they cut and the bucket's been taken away, the state of his right shoulder, all the vomit down his shoulder, <laughs> people used to freak out at that in the in the auditorium. Really? They, yeah, that was the biggest reaction, just, just the vomit on uh. his shoulder. More than the actual process of throwing up or him exploding <laughs> shortly was just this mess on his right shoulder. Um, so they ha- they have to move move up, uh, move the pipe round to his left cheek because the camera's moved, um, so that he can throw up onto the menu. Which is great, yeah. I mean, the, yeah. the, the way John Cleese plays this so st- straight and the, the the scraping of the vomit off the off the <laughs> menu and and the the wrist flick so he can read the menu is just it's this is such a great scene. I love the way when he closes yes. the menu, yes. it all squishes out the bottom. Again, the audience would just go, <laughs> and he says, I'll have the lot. Um, um, John Cleese has just uh, um, read off this whole yep. specialty thing. I'll have the lot in a big bucket with the eggs on top. Right. <laughs> and don't skip on the pate, right. he yep. goes. <laughs> so they bring in a new bucket and the cleaning woman. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, um, and yeah, they're just ramping it up. They're trying to gross out as much as possible, aren't they? Um, and uh, yeah, they, they, there's a, a 
a film wipe to him finished. He's got a pineapple top in his mouth, which he spits out. Vomit all down his front. Yeah, yeah. This is, yeah, no no detail left undone on this shot. No. And uh, we get, I think this is the most famous bit of this uh, sketch is the wafer thin mint, isn't it? This is probably, I mean, of this whole movie, I, I have to imagine this little section here has to be the most quoted of this. In the world, I agree. it just yeah. It, between the it's wafer thin and the f off, I'm full. It's like full. It, yeah. <laughs> it, this has just it's such a short snippet of the entire movie, but it ha- I, I imagine it's got to be the most quoted part of this movie. Yeah, absolutely. And all right, just the one he goes yep, and yep. Uh, bon appetit. <laughs> Jaws music starts up again. <laughs> yeah. Oh, John leaps leaps and takes cover, and the belly starts growing. Um, and his shirt rips open, that horrible, hairy belly that he's got. <laughs> um, t- table crashes over. We don't see the explosion, of course, but we do see the uh, effects oh, of it, don't we? Yes, uh, we everything do. is yeah. just <laughs> flying everywhere. Um, and uh, it's just ridiculous. We cut to Mr. Creosote. There he is looking a bit puzzled. I, I love the way his uh, heart is still beating yeah, inside yeah. this 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 orifice that is all that's left of his torso, and that's how that ends. Are you there, Matt? Yep, I'm here. Yep, sorry. No, oh, sorry, <laughs> it went all very quiet. Um, so yeah, it, again, it's sort of like a what a two minute, three minute scene, um, but so memorable. Yep. Yeah, it's uh, I have it playing now, and it's isolated on YouTube. It's it's it has the uh, what do you call it? The um, Eric Idle song. So take that away. It's about five minutes, so longer longer than the Michael Bryan oh. one, but still like of a ninety minute movie. That's that's not very long, but it's it's probably not only the most quoted, but probably one of the most memorable too. I bet you this is one of those scenes that I think a lot of people know that may have not seen the movie just because mm. of the whole like just the the grossness. And comedic factor of it. Yeah, yeah, totally agree. Um, Mr. Creosote then was uh, um, created by Chris Tucker, who who's, uh, had already worked on Quest for Fire and The Company of Wolves. It was him who decided in The Company of Wolves to uh, not do the uh, traditional transformation into a werewolf, but have it more like uh, you're shedding your skin mm, okay. and the werewolf comes out from inside. And after this, he went on to work on Dune. Oh, wow. Cool. Yeah. Um, So, Mr. Creosote's jowls and chin were foam rubber, um, glued straight onto Terry Jones's face. The belly was, this is why it had to be on a a little trolley. It was an iron armature. Okay. So, so he's basically got like a baby carrier, if you like, strapped to his front, but made out of iron, um, inside of which was a helium balloon, which they could inflate um, as they wished. And, um, yeah, as I say, the, the vomit was achieved by just a high-pressure hose uh, hooked up to the side of uh, Terry Jones's face. Mm-hmm. Um, would you like to hazard a guess what the vomit is made out of? I, I'm guessing with the texture and, and consistency, it's, it's something along the lines of oatmeal would be my guess. No, it's simpler than that. Okay. Far more easily readable, uh, re- re- readily available. It's baby food. Oh, of course. Uh, now, now, once you say it, it's freaking obvious. <laughs> yeah. Yep, yep. That's genius because baby yeah. food does look like Vom- vomit. Yep. Yep. Yeah. But the problem was when they filmed it, it was in the middle of summer oh, and very hot. God. The oh, um, yeah, no. the, the 
the camera lights yeah. increase the heat as well, and uh, it it would start going off and actually start fermenting. Yeah, that's what I and thought you were And the stink say. apparently was awful. <laughs> <laughs> Dear, oh dear. So, yeah, I mean, in Alien, you've got a problem that you're using offal and stuff like that, and that's going off and stinking. Yep. Um, a few years later, the pythons are um, uh, using baby food yeah. with pretty much the same result. Yep, that's... Well, you got to suffer for your art. Indeed. <laughs> but it's a classic. It It is a classic scene. Mr. Creosote oh, yeah. is a classic python creation, isn't he? He is, yep. Hmm. Absolutely. So, we now then have to uh, vote out of 10 okay. <laughs> on, on both effect sequences. So, if, if, if we could talk about Life of Brian, um, I mean, this is, this is a problem whenever we um, talk about, you know, uh, comedy special effects. Wade and I had the same problem when we talked about, you know, Monty Python and the Holy Grail's uh, Trojan Rabbit. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not meant to be believable. You're not right. meant to believe for one second that that is real and that is happening, especially in the case of Mr. Creosote. So, all right, Life of Brian, the the actual uh, depiction of the aliens and the alien spaceships out of 10. What what do you think, Matt? See, that's, you're, you're, you guys you're exactly right it's the it's it's on its own like not in context it's awful i mean it's it's, it's so bad <laughs> but but putting it in the context of what the movie it's in and and the people behind it and the the the, the having an appreciation for terry gilliam's specific style of animation that's that's different so it's it's hard to say it's a 10 or even a 9 but then you don't want to go at least me I don't want to go to a 5 cuz that's where you're like you cross from good to bad so I don't want to do that so I'm going to give it a very I was thinking about this I was really thinking about this a lot this week <laughs> I was like I was going to go with a 6 so it's like the bottom of the good but I'm going to go one more and say 7 because I do adore the alien design and in context of what is all happening and who made this it, it deserves at least to be in that top quarter almost range even though it's not one of the top effects we've ever seen or talked about so i'm going to say a seven for this one and i will join you in that seven yeah yeah for all the reasons that you've just said yeah yeah it it, it it's got a charm to it hasn't it yep. you know i i'd like to think that the um the the puppet aliens still exist somewhere, but they're latex. So more than likely, you know, just like the Yoda puppet, um, they most probably look freakishly uh, hideous now where they're rotting, you know? Yeah. All right. So that's a seven for Life of Brian. And now we move on to the big chap. Okay. Um, Mr. Creosote then. Yeah, this is another tough one um, because I want to, I was watching this like, almost frame for frame looking for things to ding it about. And and I thought the first thing I thought I was going to see was when he, when he vomits to the side is like, I bet you there's a dripper drizzle that like doesn't line up with his mouth. Not a single shot of that. So I couldn't take points away from that. The explosion is the explosion body, even though you can see where Terry Gilliam's head is, as opposed to where his body is, <laughs> the, the, the detail of, of work on that, that busted out body is insane. And, and leaving the heart beating is just like, like the icing on the cake. So I couldn't take anything away from that. The thing that keeps me from making a tender is one thing I don't like about it. And that's when he starts blowing up. It, it They they do it like once or even a half second to one second too long where the body goes from expanding to turning into a balloon. Like you can almost mm-hmm. see the rubber sheen on it. And because of that, that's the one thing I don't like. So I'm going to take one point away and go with a nine on this one. A snap as well. That's exactly what I've got written down. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah. Yeah, no, no. Um, I'm, I I love him. I, I love Mr. Creosote. I, lo- I, 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 I sometimes wonder, who do, does he, has he got a wife? What does he do for a job? <laughs> yeah. you know? And and I, I often wondered this, that was this a premeditated murder on John Cleese's part because he knew what was going to happen. Like, he clearly knew what was going to happen. He took off the yeah. second he gave him the mint. And yeah. he's obviously been in this restaurant before. They all knew the drill. So has he been like, does he have a, somewhere in the back in the break room, a, a dimly lit break room, a wall of pictures and menus and, and yarn strings, and he <laughs> figures out what the maximum capacity is and, and finds that one thing that's going to that's finally finally knock him off. I, I wonder if that's a backstory somewhere in this. That, that, that I, I can believe it. I can totally believe it. Yeah, it could, yeah. Um, he has absolutely been there many times yep. before, hasn't he? I think he might go there like every night or something. <laughs> Maybe, you know? yeah. Oh God! I'll tell you what. What I also a nightmare like that Mr. would be for the staff. Oh my God! <laughs> for you know, such a gross character that he is. He, he's he's immaculately groomed. I like his hair. <laughs> how he's got the little curls on the top. Yep. You know? Yeah, yeah. All right. So yeah, that's a nine then. That's that that that's a very worthy nine. I think. Yep, yeah. I agree. I agree. Uh, okay. So that's that's. Meaning of Life done, Life of Brian done, um, Holy Grail done. I yeah. mean, are there to... special effects in Yellowbeard? I can't remember. It's <laughs> such a long time since I've seen that. Um, you have to ask Christy. There, ha- there has to be. I mean, they're out on the out on the water a good portion of that movie. All I can think of is the gentleman from Bewitched having his n- foot nailed to the deck. We actually see the nail on his foot at one point. Duck. I will. I, I'll have to have a look. Maybe, yeah. maybe you and Christy can come oh, on. Oh, she'd love it. Oh, God. Yeah. yeah, if she were here, she's out. I would ask her right now if there is, and I'm sure she could list five off her top of her head. But she's I'll not look home into at it. the moment. I'll look into it. Excellent. Okay. Well, that's us done. It's quite a short one today, but they were very small, small sequences, mm-hmm. weren't they? Yes. So, yeah. yeah. But very fun. Okay. Very. Both very memorable. I mean, I think everyone. Definitely knows uh, a majority of people, movie watchers, know the the Mr. Creosote one, and I bet a, a good portion of them, if you say the aliens in Life of Brian, it would ring a bell. Yeah, yeah, excellent. Okay, thanks for your time today, then, Matt. Absolutely, always a pleasure, Eric. See you at the next one. Cheers, matey. Take care. Right. Bye bye. <laughs>